Amen. I wonder if we can put our hands together and give the Lord a cheer this morning. Come on, can we do something else? Can we just lift our hands to the Lord today? I wonder if you can just lift your hand and raise your hand to heaven today and say, Lord, we need you so much. We just, Lord, worship is about letting you know how much I need you, Lord. How much, Lord, you have done and how much, Lord, I still continue, Lord, every day I need you, Lord. I don't know if you can just whisper that to the Lord, but God, I need you, Lord. I need, Lord, your strength. I need your power. I need your wisdom, Lord. God, we stand in such a great need in our nation today, right now, in need of you, Lord. We need you to move. We have to see you do something amazing and strong in our day, in our time right now, Lord. We can't make it another year without you, Lord. And we, Lord, we know that all things are working together for the good of those that love you, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for your destiny. I thank you for your purpose today, Lord, in Jesus' name, that, Lord, you're going to fulfill your will according to your word. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. How many are in love with Jesus today? You just flat out say, man, I just love Jesus. I just, I love the Lord. I mean, I'm just passionate about him. And, and uh, today is what a way to... Uh, enter into the fall, man, what a day. I don't know if today was colder than yesterday, I'm not sure. But uh, for those of you who run or bike or do whatever, uh, get out in the morning, maybe you got chores to do in the morning, I don't know, but you'd be able to tell me better. But uh, one day seemed like the same to me. But uh, aren't you glad for the seasons? And, and uh, I love living in Pennsylvania because uh, just the expression of the seasons and how the Lord just really does that work in our uh, I couldn't take the desert. I couldn't take the, you know, it, wouldn't it be boring if it was just 80 degrees all the time and, you know, oceans in the background? I mean, I just, you know, I mean, that, that's great, you know, but amen. So a lot of you are just working so hard, working so hard, waiting for the day that you can make one of those places your home permanently. And uh, anyway, so, but uh, fall's so great. But, you know, it's also, how many know God's taking us as a nation through seasons? Amen. And we're in a season of really just hearing from the God and really focusing on the Lord and what an intense time. Someone said this, that they said, really revivals are marked by a tremendous uh, time of frustration in a culture, usually when God begins to move among his people uh, at a very apparent time of frustration. And so we see that in our nation, don't we, right? But how many know we're not going to lose our head, right? We're not going to lose our heart. We're going to focus on the Lord. Our strength is in God. Our hope is in the Lord. And today I hope that you really came to church today and encouraged somebody because uh, I don't know about you, but uh, we need encouragement. Amen. We need encouragement, especially today. And uh, so we pray that anything we share today, anything that I have to share, share really encourages you, strengthens you. And uh, we just thank you for watching online. If you're joining us online, maybe you don't go to this church, but uh, maybe there's a need in your life. You don't go to this church, but you can just put that in the comments or uh, just kind of message us and what God is doing in your life. Share a story. How many know we love good stories? We love good testimonies. But also if you have a prayer request something that's going on in your life you want us to pray with you man it's always great to have people pray with you and stand with you and so if you'll do that uh, we'd really appreciate that amen in Matthew chapter 5 Matthew chapter 5 so if you'll turn in your Bible or click on your device Matthew chapter 5 I want to read this scripture we'll pray and uh, I don't have a PowerPoint today I know I'm sorry about that I usually do but uh, you're just gonna have to do old school and pay attention and uh, you know or take notes or whatever but uh, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, and this is part of 
what we call the Beatitudes, right? The Beatitudes, you've heard that, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus gets to this point, talks about the the Beatitudes, and he says in verse 10, he said, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men, that means anybody, shall revile you or insult you, persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you for my name's sake or for the sake of me, because of me. Rejoice and be glad, verse 12, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who went before you. Amen. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We pray that you would anoint us to hear, anoint me to speak, and I pray you would bless your word today. I, I ask, Lord, for strength and boldness to come on your people, Lord. Just I pray that you would continue to strengthen us, Lord, that we may stand for what's right in this hour and this day. I thank you, Lord, for the righteousness of God that is prevailing against evil, Lord, that was prevailing against, Lord, lies in our nation, Lord. Your righteousness is prevailing today, and we rejoice because of it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. So Jesus tells us here that there's a blessing, there's blessed. Of course, if you read the Sermon on the Mount and you read the uh, Beatitudes, you'll see that there are blessings. People are blessed if they do this or if this is going on in their life. Jesus gave us a wonderful promise that he said uh, later on that we should shout about. He said, blessed are everyone, anyone who's persecuted for my name's sake. I don't know about you, but that's not really something we shout about a whole bunch, right? It's not something you come to that part of Scripture and you kind of, you know, maybe brush over that part and you're like, well, that's for people in other countries. That's not for Americans. How many know God wrote it for us? Amen. Blessed are you that are persecuted and suffer for righteousness' sake. And when uh, another translation, another place, Jesus said, you're blessed if you suffer for my name's sake. Those who suffer for my name's sake. And then we see the apostles live this out as we see in the book of Acts. We follow uh, all the way up until the book of, really at the end of the book of Acts, but in Acts chapter 5 in particular, I want to bring the scripture out in chapter 5 verse 41. Something interesting is that they were, uh, uh, people were, were getting healed and saved and they were preaching the gospel. Well, they were threatened and they said, don't preach in the name of Jesus. Well, guess what they went out and did? They preached in the name of Jesus. Right? They were told not to pr- share the gospel. Guess what they did? They went out and shared the gospel. Amen. They were told not to heal in the name of Jesus. Guess what they did? They healed in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so what happened was is they actually, in, in chapter 5, were thrown in prison. And because they disobeyed what the council said, they said, don't preach in the name of Jesus. Well, something amazing happened. If you read, kind of fast forward through that, you'll see that they were thrown in prison. And then instantly they were transported from prison to church. How many know that's also neat, right? You know, uh, you're in prison and the next moment you're in church sharing the gospel. Well, the council heard about it again. They brought them before them, threatened them, and uh, they beat them, put them in prison, beat them, and then they released them. And here's what the Bible says, here's reaction of the disciples after they released them. The Bible says in chapter, Acts chapter 5 verse 41, it says, they were rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering, disgrace, For the name of Jesus. Can you imagine that? Why? Because Jesus told them you're blessed when you're you're persecuted for righteousness. So they didn't count it a curse. They counted a blessing. They counted an honor to be able to suffer the way Jesus suffered. Wow. Isn't that amazing? How many know that we've got to stand up for what's right in our culture and our day? 
Amen? Especially now. And, you know, it's so, so amazing that when we see uh, something that happened in our lives when we got born again, when you were born again, one of the things that happened that was so good is that you received the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? You received what was right. You received the goodness of God. That's what it says. You receive the goodness of God through Jesus Christ. And then what happens is as you live this Christian life, the Spirit of God wants to lead you into righteousness to continue to live and do what's right. How many know it's all about living right? Yes, it is. And so that's what God wants us to do. That's His will for us. That's His purpose. But there's something amazing. There's something in the fallen nature. There's something in the rebellious heart that does not want to do what's right. In fact, it doesn't like righteousness at all. It doesn't like anyone who tries to be right. You know what I'm saying? That's a fallen nature. That's a rebellious heart. Anybody that tries to do what's right, you're persecuted. And so how many know there's two things in life that we learn quickly in the Christian faith? Number one, that we've got to stand up for what's right. And number two, you'll suffer for doing what's right. Amen? So today, if you're taking notes, my title is, When Right is Called Wrong. When Right is Called Wrong. How many know you've got to stand up for what's right, even when right is called wrong? Amen? I was supposed to preach at the Door Fellowship today. I'm not really sure. Anyways, if I'm here, if you're here. Anyways, uh, I wanted to just let you know that, listen, one of the things you've got to teach your children at a young age is that you're going to get persecuted or suffer for what's right. I mean, you know, you got to teach your kids to tell the truth no matter what. Is that right? They don't steal. They don't do this. They're honest. They're upright. you got to do. And there's people in our world that won't like it when you do what's right. you got to teach your kids. There's a crowd of people in school when you're young. They're going to try to get you to do what's wrong because they don't want to do what's right. I mean, no, but you can't be influenced by that crowd. You've got to do what's right even though you're going to get made fun of. You're going to get bullied. You still have to do what's right. I know it's important to teach your kids you're going to suffer for doing what's right. Yes, it is, because it comes along with the territory of being a Christian. Following Jesus means you're going to suffer for righteousness' sake, for what's right. Amen. I'm not talking about suffering for your cause. I'm talking about suffering for righteousness' sake, for the sake of Jesus. How many of you suffer for things that are right? You, You certainly do, and you learn that right away. But I believe that we've got to stand for what's right. You've got to do it. And I think it, it, it just is probably really just uh, anything. Today, it seems like that when you want to stand up for what's right, how many know if people are quick to jump on you and uh, get a hold of you, correct you, and criticize you somehow, some way, because you're standing up for what's right? That's just the spirit that's in our world today. It's always been in the world, but it's been in, especially today, thanks to social media, where people love to tell you you're wrong. Even on your birthday, they'll tell you you're wrong. But you know, we have to stand for what's right. Because Jesus said this, he said, said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. We could say it this way. Jesus said, I am the right way. I am the right truth. I am the, come on, I am the right life that leads to the Father. He is right. How many know when, when you follow Jesus, he's right? Amen. Yes. It's not about winning an argument. It's about standing with Jesus. It's about declaring the gospel. When someone asks you how you feel about social issues today, you shouldn't him all around and try to compromise and get out of it. You should just simply say, this is what the Bible says. 
because the Bible's right and I'm following the right way. I, I, you know, are there, are there other religions or all these other religions to God? No, there's only one way to God. It's through Jesus Christ because that's the right way. And I'm following right. And, and the Spirit of God is teaching me what's right and what's wrong. Amen. Today it seems like people are asking themselves the question, I don't know who to believe anymore. I don't know what to believe anymore. But aren't you glad today that we can believe the Word of God? Aren't you glad today that Jesus is the right way, the right truth, and the right life? Amen? Amen. I am. So we've got to stand up for what's right. All along and through the Bible, even in the Old Testament, starting in Leviticus Law, um, God established this with Moses. He said, I'm establishing my Word so that you would know between right and wrong, between holy and unholy, between clean and unclean. How many know that's the way the Lord does it? And so God's always done this. God's always had this way. And you know, you don't just stand for something that you believe is right or a right cause. How many know it's about living right? You, you really can't stand for what's right if you're not living right. So God wants you to live right so you can stand for what's right, so you can suffer for what's right. Isn't God's plan tremendous? <laughs> He just loves us so much. Amen. And you know, I can imagine the disciples are like, yeah, I'm being blessed for this, and I'm being blessed for being a peacemaker. And then you're like, you say what? I'm going to be persecuted? I don't think so, Jesus. It's great that you're sent here to die, but not me. How many know there's a, a, another message that Jesus was giving people that they really didn't like at the time, but it comes with a Christian life. And so I believe that we need to stand up for what's right. We just have to declare what's right. That's period. I mean, that's just the way it is. And you know something about righteousness? That righteousness does not start in the courts of law. It starts in the hearts of men. If you're waiting for righteousness to start in the courts of law, you're going to be waiting a long time. Because it has to start in the hearts of men. That's why it's so important that we pray and we preach the gospel and we stand up for what's right because that's the only hope for mankind to change their heart. Amen? And so that's why it's important to do that. I know that's elementary and basic, but I'm just laying a groundwork here today for what I want to share out of 1 Peter. But anyways, you're going to suffer for what's right. You're just going to suffer for it. And, and it's amazing how Jesus teaches it and Peter teaches about it and Paul teaches about it. It's almost like it's second, like, yeah, yeah, no big deal, you're going to suffer. And we're like, yeah, it's a big deal because I don't want to suffer. I want everybody to like me. I want to be the crowd favorite. I want to be the most popular. I don't want to be persecuted. I mean, who in the world raises their hand and says, I'll be the first to be persecuted? Not too many of us, right? But Jesus said, you're going to be the first in line whether you like it or not because it comes with the territory. You're going to suffer for what's right. It's standing for what's right. It's standing with those who are right. And it's standing for what's right when it's called wrong. That's what Jesus was talking about. And Isaiah's, uh, when Isaiah uh, begins to talk to the nation uh, and he talks about the, the righteousness of God, he says this in chapter 5 of verse 20. He said, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. How many know we can certainly see that in our nation today? What was good at one time is now wrong, and what was wrong at one time is now good. Amen. People are trying to justify and excuse just absolute evil behavior. How can you justify and excuse a movie that, that exploits young girls? How do you do that? You can't do that. Come on, somebody. But somehow in our twisted world, it's acceptable 
and it's justified. Amen. In Romans chapter 1, the Bible says that they turned the truth into a lie. You exchanged it. You actually, it went topsy-turvy. How many feel that our world is upside down? Oh, yes, I do. I believe our world's upside down. But aren't you glad that the gospel of Jesus can turn it right side up? Amen. I know that because he did it in your heart. Amen. Is that right? But, but one of the things I want to bring out today, and something I saw, and I hope that you see this so amazing that I saw in the teachings of Peter. Um, in, really, in 1 Peter, I'm going to read out of chapter 3, but uh, four times, four times, Peter teaches this, this lesson right here that you're going to suffer for what's right. Four times he mentions it in four different uh, books. When he, in his letter that he's writing, in, in the first part of it, he writes, and in chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 5, he teaches that you're going to suffer for what's doing right. Now, we don't have time to talk about all of it. I'm just going to break it down and give you just a few lessons that he's taught us, some things that he's teaching us about suffering for what's doing right in 1 Peter. And it's very uh, interesting because uh, you think that, okay, well, he deals with it in one chapter. No, he, ha he deals with it. The whole letter is all about suffering for Jesus Christ. And so when I read it, I thought, wow, Peter talks a lot about suffering because he watched Jesus suffer. Because he was persecuted. And so how many know it's best to hear it from somebody who has experience? Amen. And so let's look at this. In 1 Peter chapter 3, I'm going to read a few verses, so please be patient. And then what I'm going to do is I'm giving these points, uh, these, uh, points that Peter gave us in these teachings. I'm going to keep referring and jumping back to uh, chapter 2, 3, 4, and 5. It's very interesting. So um, I don't know if you're going to take notes. Just, you just might have to listen. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Starting in verse 13, this is one of the things that Peter began to teach on. He said this, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? I'm reading out of the NIV. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. He's quoting from uh, another book. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. In verse 16, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He has put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. The Bible says that you're blessed if you suffer for doing what's right. Wow. Now those are some, you know, I can see if he mentioned it one time, that'd be easy for me to misinterpret it or, or miss it altogether. Like, oh, I didn't know you said that, Peter. But then he says it four times. And I'm like, maybe he's trying to tell us something here. Maybe there's a principle here that we need to really get in our hearts and get in our spirit, especially today in the world we live in, that you're going to suffer for doing what's right. So let me give you some principles. Number one, he gives us the promise of suffering. Gee, thanks, Peter. The promise of suffering. This isn't maybe a condition. Or this isn't something that uh, some people do, some people don't. This is a promise to all believers. This is a promise to Number one, those who follow Jesus. This is an absolute promise. Just like you would receive the promise of healing, you've got to receive the promise of suffering. <laughs> wow. Again, thank you, Peter. 
I appreciate this. So the promise of suffering for what's right, that, that's what it's about. It's a promise of suffering for right choices, right decisions, for the things in particular that pertain to God. How many know you can talk about everything under the sun, but the moment you start mentioning God or you mention Jesus, all of a sudden the temperature changes a little bit. You could say that you believe in worms and that you worship them and you, and you have idols and, you have, and, and your God is a worm and, and everybody be like, hey, that's cool, man, whatever you want to do. But the moment you say, I love Jesus, people are like, something's wrong with that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't want you to try it this week, but just let you know, that's, you, could, you could say that. People would probably be like, yeah, that's cool. Okay, worms are good, you know. So you're a follower of Jesus. Now in 1 Peter 4, again, I'm going to go back and forth with these chapters. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13. He said this, For these trials make you partners with Christ in His suffering. It's part of being a follower of Jesus. Because you belong to Him. It's part of growing close to God. Did you know that? Knowing Him. That's why Paul wrote that I may know Him and the fellowship of His sufferings. That I know Him because it's part of knowing the Lord. Coming in close relationship with the Lord. That's why a lot of people stay at an arm's length from God because they know that they have to come into this level of persecution and suffering that Jesus did. Because Jesus told us, He said, if they don't listen to me, they won't listen to you. If they didn't receive my words, they won't listen to your words. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. He said, you're not greater than me. You're not greater than the Master. Is that right? Again, the disciples are like, yeehaw, love this one, Jesus. That's great. Because you're a follower of Jesus. This is, you have a promise. Did you know, as Peter says here, in Peter chapter 2, verse 21, you're called to it. You're called to suffer for what's right. Did you know that? Yeah, you're called to suffer. He said this in chapter 2, verse 21, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you would follow in his steps. Wow. I mean, I want to follow in the steps of healing. I want to follow in the steps of having great messages. But I don't know about following in the steps of suffering. But he said it's part of the call. That's what you're called to. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, we read this. That Paul said, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ shall suffer persecution. Hmm. In fact, later on, Peter teaches this, that fiery trials are expected. Don't be shocked, he said. Why are you shocked? James said they're expected. They're going to come. Fiery trials are coming. Ephesians talked about the fiery darts of the enemy. They're coming. They're happening. It's going to happen. And so he said you better get ready for it. and You better get used to it. You better learn to win because it's going to happen. And so fiery trials are to be expected. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12, he said don't be shocked. Don't act like the devil is sneaking up on you or God is mad at you. Don't be shocked. Fiery trials are coming. Amen? So it's a part of the calling that's on your life. How many are called for heaven? I'm called to be to heaven. I'm called to go to heaven. I'm called for victory. I'm destined for victory. But according to the scriptures, I'm called to suffer for what's right. And so the third thing is, is that we see is that adversity strengthens you. Adversity strengthens you. So not only you called to it and as being a follower of Jesus, but it's part of the Christian faith. Your faith is strengthened through adversity. Adversity strengthens you. The example would be here is that Noah. Think about Noah. Uh, I like what T.F. Tenney said. He said, the very storm that destroyed the earth lifted Noah. How many know that's what happens? That should happen in our life as Christians. 
Come on, the very thing that came to destroy you should give you victory. The very thing that came to to the devil meant something for evil. How many know God will turn it around for good? Amen. So adversity strengthens you. God uses adversity to lift us. Did you know that? Well, I'm going through a storm right now. Good. You're going to elevate it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And so one of the things I've noticed, not only is it a promise, so that's the first thing, is that the promise of suffering, but also there's affliction from people. We always talk about affliction from the devil. We always talk about affliction from whatever. But how many know he's directly talking about affliction from people? When Jesus said, blessed are you that are persecuted for righteousness, he, he, he didn't mean the devil. He meant people. People are coming after you. People won't like you. Right? We're talking about family here. We're talking about friends or people, your neighbors. We're talking about everyday people. We're talking about everyone in your life. There's people that just won't like what you do. They won't like what you say. They're, they're, they just won't, won't want to do what's right. They're, there's affliction that comes from people. People feel uncomfortable when someone wants to do what's right. How many know there's always one of those in the crowd? They always want to turn themselves in. They always want to tell their parents. How many know they're, they're nerds? You don't want to hang out with them, right? Come on, that's the way it is, right? And, and, and you know, and there's just some people that are waiting for you to fall. They're waiting for you to fail. They, they can't wait. In fact, there was people that came in the Jesus just to hear his message, just to find something that he said that they can use against him. Right? And there's some people that are just waiting for you to mess up, waiting for you to say something dumb on social media so they can pounce on you with a bunch of Old Testament scriptures. And call you a heretic. Amen. They're just waiting for you to fall. That affliction comes from people. People are, are persecuted for righteousness from people who don't love righteousness. That's what Jesus said. See, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 12, as we read, there's insults, there's false accusations, there's slander against your name, against your family, against your personality. There's even physical abuse that comes because of righteousness. In Acts 17 and Acts 24, Paul was falsely accused many times, but twice he was brought in because he just showed up in a town. I mean, one time he came from one town to the other and they arrested him when he walked in the town. And they said, this is just in case you're going to cause trouble. So they brought him before the, the, you know, the, the council, and they had all these false witnesses and said, he's doing this. And Paul said, I'm just here to visit friends, dude. I didn't even open my mouth and preach yet. Think about it. I mean, that, that's the reputation he had. And so that's the way it's going to be. And so Paul, but you know, one of the things I liked about Paul, when he was, every time he was falsely accused, one of the things I liked about the principle that he teaches us is don't act like a victim when you're victimized. He could have poured on the victim mentality. He could have poured it on. Oh, Felix, you don't understand. These guys are, I mean, I didn't do anything, man. I'm just, you know, but he didn't do that. He said, I'm here because I'm suffering for Jesus. He said, bring it on, folks, because he said, this is part of the package. God's going to get me through this. You can put me in jail. He said, there's an angel's going to let get me out. Didn't you guys ever hear of, you know, transported? Remember Spock, the whole thing? Remember beat me up? That's going to happen. You put me in prison, it's going to happen, right? So, so he just knew God was going to take care of him. One of the things that's interesting is when, when David was king, when David would run, uh, ride through towns and cities, of course, as King David, he would ride through with his, you know, the entourage and all his guards and everything. And you know something? There was one particular guy in 2 Samuel 16. You can read, look this up for yourself. There was one guy who always throw, would throw stones at David constantly. 
He was like this real wimpy guy who would, you know, and he'd yell, David is a nerd. We don't like him. You know, all this stuff. And then he would throw stones at David. I mean, think about it. David, King David, he would throw stones at him. You know, and here's this. Can you imagine what David feels like? Here's a guy, you know, constantly throwing stones at you. I mean, you don't understand. Don't mess with me today. I took down a nine foot six giant. Who, who, who is this guy? Right? But you know what? I like what David's response was, what he said. He said in verse 12, he said, May it be that the Lord will look upon my affliction and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing to me today. I mean, that's a good attitude to have. Amen. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. And so, because he knew if something can get into your spirit, it can affect your destiny. If David would get down off that horse and he'd t- deal with that guy, oh, how many know he'd let God deal with him? D- David let God deal with Saul. He could have, and so, if anybody throwing rocks at David, David was like, Saul threw spears at me. Bring it on. Okay? This is nothing. Amen. And so, you know, I believe that there's just people. That, that have been hurt. And so there's a saying that says hurt people hurt other people. But I believe there's people that are just out to hurt other people. They just want to hurt. They just want to see people's faith shipwrecked. They just want to see you, you, you just kind of like struggle in your faith. And they want to bring such a good argument against you. And they want to tear. Come on, I don't know what it is about them. I just have to say that they don't love righteousness. But how many know you're going to suffer from the affliction of people? Amen. And like Daniel. Daniel, the same thing. We can look at all the uh, stories in the Bible of people who suffered affliction for no reason, for doing what was right, for praying three times a day. Can you imagine? People are trying to kill you. But I believe that because of Daniel's attitude, he wasn't lunchables for the lions. Amen. So affliction. I like what, again, I was thinking about Brother T.F., so I've got to quote him a couple times today. One of the things he, he taught in one of the last sermons he ever preached is he said, affliction is good for faith. And in fact, he gave this example. He said, affliction is like dirt and your faith is like a seed. Think about it. Affliction is like dirt. Your faith is like a seed. So if people are throwing a lot of dirt on you, that means you're getting ready to grow. Amen? I like that. Because the seed is faith and the seed won't grow until there's dirt. Amen? So Peter's teaching us, thank God when people are throwing dirt on you because the seed of faith is going to grow. I want to know, seeds take dirt to grow. Is that right? So think of it that way. And so quickly, the rejoicing in suffering. This is the third thing we see that Peter teaches us about suffering when doing what's right. I mean, I can't get over, I can't wrap my brain around this one sometimes. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13, again, he says, But rejoice in so much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. I mean, he uses words like, be very glad. What? Yeah, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Jesus in his suffering. He, he says things like uh, exceeding joy, glad, happy, rejoice. Right? And Jesus does the same thing. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 12, one translation says, Celebrate and rejoice when people persecute you. There's great reward for you in heaven. That's how they persecuted the prophets who went before you. And you're like, wow, okay, so I prayed, Lord, let me be like Elijah. But I had no idea what I was praying about. <laughs> How many know we want the fire to come down from heaven, but we don't want the persecution from Jezebel? Come on. Anybody, right? And the fourth thing is I see he teaches us is he teaches us 
that dealing with the suffering like Jesus did. Here's how Jesus dealt with his suffering. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22, 23, Jesus committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. He suffered and he made no threats. He did not retaliate. He did, when he was insulted, he did not threaten revenge when he suffered. That's, that's what Peter is saying. Let's look at Jesus. Let's look at the way Jesus handled it. Do you think Jesus got, you know, he went and, and, and went out and just threatened to beat everybody up? Do you think that Jesus got on, you know, his Instagram and totally railed somebody else? No, he didn't do that. What Peter's teaching us, he didn't do that. He didn't, he didn't say, I'm going to get you back. He didn't say, wait until revenge comes and then you're going to pay. I mean, no, he just wasn't, didn't have that clean spirit. Amen? All you old westerns. You know, he just didn't have that revenge. And so that's what he's teaching us. He said, look, don't do that. Do it the way Jesus did it. Because what happens is, is what Jesus did is he was standing in the right without a self-righteous attitude. How many know you can do that? You can stand in the right without a self-righteous attitude. Amen. First Peter chapter 3, verse 18, he says this, For Jesus also suffered once for the sins, so it was the righteous for the unrighteous. This is an exa- really a picture. It puts into context the suffering of Jesus and the meaning of our suffering. So in other words, what Peter says here is the way Jesus did it was he suffered, the righteous suffered for us, the unrighteous. How fair is that? It's not. It's not at all. Jesus didn't open his mouth because he was suffering for us. Wow. For the unrighteous. So he's saying, just like Jesus did it, that's the way you should do it. So when Jesus didn't open his mouth up because he was suffering for us, the unrighteous, that's how we should do it for him. That's, that's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge to face that, and especially when you're, you're, you're getting in an argument and you're getting ready to let somebody really have a piece of your mind, and this is a well thought out, you took three days and prayed about this post, and you're getting ready to unleash the greatest comeback that you've ever heard anybody make in the 21st century. And yet the Holy Spirit says, just close your laptop, turn off your phone, let it go. Amen. The fifth thing I see that he teaches us is experiencing the glory of Jesus. This is what he teaches us about sufferings, that suffering equals glory. We don't think that. We think fame equals glory. Riches equal. No, he said suffering equals glory. So there's a blessing and a reward. First Peter chapter 3, verse 14. I've read that before. Say it again. But even if you suffer for doing what's right, God will reward you for it. There are, he said, you are blessed. God will reward you for it. Jesus said they will inherit the kingdom of God. They are blessed. They will receive a reward. A crown of righteousness is one place. He says, how many know when people, as we see in the book of Revelation, those who have died, those who are martyrs, receive a white robe, a crown of righteousness for suffering for the Lord. A special place in God's heart for those who suffer for Him. Romans 8, 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Wow, we don't think of that all the time, do we? But we should, because that's the Word of God. It's experiencing the glory of Jesus in these times. You know, many people reject this idea of reward because there's not a big enough payoff for them. 
It's not good enough for them, for Jesus to say, you'll be rewarded or God will reward you. No, they'd rather have money. It's like, okay, God, I won't really retaliate and get revenge on that person if you give me a million dollars. Okay, that, that's really a good reward for me. But how many know I'd rather be rewarded with peace, righteousness, and joy than any money? Because you can have the money and still have the hate. Yes, you can. And so we need to look at it that way. In 1 Peter 4, verse uh, 14, chapter 4, verse 14, it says, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. Check this out. For the Spirit of glory and the Spirit of God rest on you. I thought the Spirit of God rested on me when I was in church shouting and conquering the carpet and going through the fire tunnel. No, it rests on you when you're going through sufferings. Isn't that amazing? Glory rests on you. How many know you don't feel it, but you can claim it because the Bible says it rests on you? How many know when, when Jesus was being persecuted and beaten, the anointing of God was on him? Is that right? We don't think. We think God leaves us. We think somehow God turns his eye and, and lets people do this to us and treat us unfairly. And God, how can you let this go on? You know, that's a time when you need to know this, that God's closer to you than ever before. His glory's on you. His anointing is there. Come on. The Spirit of God rests on you in those moments. Well, I thought the Spirit of God rests on me when I was prophesying. Maybe. It does. Yes, it does. Certainly. But also in times of suffering. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. For the sake of Christ, he said, Then I am content with weaknesses, with insults, with hardships, with persecutions and calamities, because when I am weak, I am strong. Wow, that's amazing. Grace becomes real when the affliction becomes strong. Is that what he said earlier? He said, my, the grace is sufficient. In fact, Jesus spoke to him and said, My grace is sufficient for you. Was that when he was on the beach? And that was when he was taking five and resting and, 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 and they were playing spike ball on the beach. No, no, that, that's when persecution. That's when he was shipwrecked in a storm and he was holding on to the mast of the ship trying to float to shore in the middle of the night. Here he was on his way to a missionary trip and, and he lost his boat. And guess what? In those times, the grace was sufficient. In those times, grace became real. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, not only that, we also learned that there are seasons. There are seasons. Remember, notice what Peter said in the very beginning when I read. He said, be patient. Patiently endure these things. 1 Peter 5.10 says, in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ. So after you have suffered a little while, you have suffered a little while, we said, Lord, it's been a whole week. I mean, no, the Lord's like, that's not even a little while. That's not even, come on. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we whine and cry because, you know, we're, we're, you hurt, our feelings are hurt for a day. But, I mean, there's times where it lasts for a long time. But nevertheless, we're going to endure it. We're going to go through it. How many have ever felt like, Lord, when, when, like David prayed, how long are you going to let my enemies talk like this, God? How long are you going to let Saul chase me and be ungodly and act wicked? And the Lord says, in my time. In my time, and the moment David got in that cave, and the moment David said in that cave, when he said, okay, God, your grace is sufficient, I get it. This is my calling. I'm not, come on, I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to seek revenge. I'm going to allow you to plead my case. That's the time that God turned it around and gave him the victory. Amen. Because there's seasons. And also in 
uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, it says, So after you have suffered a little while, He will what? Restore you. He will support you. He will strengthen you. He will give you a place on a firm foundation. How many know God's got good things in store? Amen. After a season. Come on, after the season you're going through. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, he said this, Paul said, For this light affliction, for this momentary affliction, this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison. Amen. I'm almost done. And, and this is the seventh thing that he teaches us here in 1 Peter in these writings. He says that trusting God to bring justice. God will give you justice. Did you catch this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, if you ever read this? Have you ever read this? It says this, that after Jesus had suffered, he, he didn't open his mouth. He, Jesus, entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. How many know that's what we do when people come and persecute us and say all kinds of stuff against us? We leave our case in the hands of the Lord. See, suffering for your cause is different than suffering for righteousness. Some people aren't suffering for righteousness. They're suffering because they're obnoxious. You're suffering because you were gossiping. You're suffering because you didn't do what God told you to do. You're suffering because you're cheating. You're lying. You're not telling the truth. Come on. You brought it on yourself. And say, well, well I'm just suffering. God's going to get me out of this. Well, you kind of dug the hole for yourself and... and I guess you're just going to have to get it out. Amen. Get out yourself. But I believe that, that God brings justice. I believe that righteousness is justice. You know, it's amazing in our culture and our day today. So, and, and this question I ask myself is why do people want social justice but not social righteousness? Hello. We want, we want our rights to be upheld, but we don't want to live right. Amen. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Amen. And one of the things he teaches us, he, Peter teaches us, is it doesn't mean anything if you're not living right. That's what he teaches us. Right? How many know that right standing with God, there's a difference between wrong living with people? If you're not living right, Amen. Don't say that you're suffering for right. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 15 says, If you suffer, however, you must not be, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, prying into other people's affairs. Isn't that amazing how he, he, he puts that in the same category as murder? Anyways, he says you shouldn't suffer for those things, but it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by His name. Wow. Again, some people are suffering because they're just plain obnoxious. Amen. So because, you know, one of the things I, 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 th I thought about this is one of the things we have to understand is that you have to live right. And, and in order for you to suffer for what's right, you have to live right. And it doesn't mean anything if you're not living right. That's what Paul brings out here and Peter brings out. Jesus taught about it. And, you know, just because something feels good doesn't make it good. Just because it's legal doesn't make it right. Just because it's approved by culture doesn't make it right. Just because you thought of it doesn't make it right. How many know it's only right by one way, and that is the Word of God? And so it, it doesn't mean anything. So don't, again, 
Think about what's going on in your life. If, if you're not living right, if you're not acting right, if you've got bad character, bad behavior, don't say you're being persecuted for righteousness sake. How about these Christians that are out there saying that, you know, it, you know I'm, I'm attacking other churches, attacking other Christians, and completely being hateful online, and then they say, well, I'm just, I'm just doing it to expose truth. I'm just, I just do it because I love the church. I mean, no, it doesn't work. Amen. And lastly, one of the things, that, the, the, the last thing that he, he teaches us is that Peter teaches us that it pleases God. Suffering pleases God. Can you imagine? We think, oh, no, suffering, oh, he, he must want us to get out of the trouble. He, want, he wants to pull us out. He wants to bring us victory. You know, there's times where the Lord just watches us go through it. And as, he, as we go through it, the Lord says, I'm pleasing. It's just the worship team. They're not mad. So, so as we go through it, you know, we realize that there's something that the Lord sees. And, and even here, Peter teaches us, he said, it's commendable by God. I mean, think about it. It's a badge of honor to suffer for Jesus. How I many know it's not a badge of honor to act like an idiot and then get, and get arrested for being dumb? Because you didn't, you didn't listen. How many know? Right? Come on. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. But it pleases the Lord. And so we say, well, that's what I want to do. I want to please God, so I'm going to worship, I'm going to praise, I'm going to have a positive attitude. How many know when, when, when it comes to pleasing the Lord, there's a lot of ways to please God, and one of them is suffering for His name's sake. He loves it. He loves it when you stand up for Him, when you stand up for the truth, when you declare the Word of God, when you say, listen, it's not my opinion, it's what God's Word says. And the Bible says this about living with a, a, you know, someone that's not your husband or your wife. The Bible says this about homosexuality. This is what the Bible declares about our social issues that we're facing today. How many know God's pleased in that? God backs you up on that. God gets behind that. God empowers you. God says, now I'm ready to move. Amen. Because you stood up for what's right. Because you stood for me. Because you're doing it the way I did it. And you're reflecting Jesus Christ. I mean, just what Jesus did. You're willing to do the same thing. And so I'm going to bless you for it. I'm going to reward you for it. How many know God's reward is plenty good for us? Amen. And I'm not talking about the sweet by and by. The Bible says it's clear that he'll reward you now. Today. In your marriage, in your family, in your home, with your business and finances or whatever it is. Come on. He's going to reward you for it. If you're willing to suffer for doing what's right. Let's stand on our feet today. Amen. You know, again, it, I have to just reiterate this. That it just starts with living right, doesn't it? It starts with just not necessarily being the perfect religious person. And not, not being this best version of yourself. It, it just starts from doing what's right from the heart. And so today, there's some people that may be here or listening, and there's a battle going on inside because you're not living right. And you really want the Lord to bless you. You really want the Lord to bless your life and be behind what you're doing. You really want to be acceptable to God. You really want to be a Christian. You really do. You just, but you know there's a war going on the inside because you're not doing it God's way. There's not righteousness in your life. You're not really practicing righteousness. You're practicing, as the Bible says, lawlessness. I mean, you're doing it your way, and you're cutting corners, and you're making excuses, and you're doing this, and you're doing that, and, and you know that it's not right, but you're really not willing to say it's not right today. God wants you to know, just humble yourself and say, Lord, I'm not doing it right. This battle on the inside of me is not going to subside. It's not gonna be, I'm not going to be at peace with myself until I know I'm living right with you. I've got to live right, Lord. So today, if you're 
listening to me and you're hearing this today, today is the day to make it right with God. If you've been running from the Lord and you just want to do your own thing and you, you know you're out there, you know what you're doing, you know what you need to do to get back, you know what you need to do today. Today's the day to do that and say, Lord, you love me. You want me to do, be right. You want me to live right. You want me to live in righteousness. I accept your righteousness today. So many people are trying to do it their way, their righteousness. But how many know the Bible says it's no good? It doesn't mean, it's just, it's worth nothing. I mean, no, the Bible says, also declares that there's not one person that's good. Jesus Christ is the only one that's good. Today, I want you to receive God's goodness, God's perfection, God's righteousness through Jesus Christ. Lay your righteousness down. Lay your goodness down. Lay all the things that you think that makes you good. Lay that all down and say, God, I want your righteousness. I want your goodness. And Lord, I want that to be part of my life. I, I've sinned, Lord. I ask for repentance today. Receive, Lord, me today just as I am. And I will, Lord, be made right in your eyes once again. Amen. We'd like to pray with you. If you want to pray their prayer or talk to somebody about that, amen, we're here to pray with you today and talk with you. I believe that there is a rejoicing and a joy coming in your life after today because you're going to rejoice with the suffering that you go through for Jesus Christ. Amen. I, I believe that there is a, a day and an hour for, for a revival and everybody to, you know, just really receive Jesus. But how many know... You go to work and not everybody's excited about Jesus. <laughs> not everybody's excited, excited about you. <laughs> Amen. But how many know God's called us to this? God's called us to this. And I believe today, more than winning arguments, more than standing on a political side and all that, let's make up in our hearts we're willing to suffer for what's doing, for doing right. We're willing to stand up for what's right. We're willing to live right. We're willing to suffer for what's right in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word today. Thank you once again, Lord, that you brought us into your house to hear your word. And I pray, Lord, you would just encourage our hearts and build us up in the areas that we're weak in. The Holy Spirit is helping us. Lord, you're doing a good work in our hearts, in our life, Lord. You are doing something amazing in our family, and you're doing it in our nation, in our city. And I just pray, Lord, that we're going to continue, Lord, to see what you see. Lord, as we go through these things uh, uh, that, that the people bring on to us, these afflictions, Lord, I pray that we would rejoice and celebrate because, Lord, we're sharing in the glory that you have, Lord. Sharing in the life and the faith is being built up, Lord. And I thank you for that today, Lord. We rejoice and we say thank you for what we go through. It's only to make us stronger. In Jesus' name, amen.